Since it's been a few weeks since we started the book of Ruth, uh, I'm going to give a really fast and really quick overview of what we talked about with chapter one. So, and I'm just going to do a quick, brief story overview. It's going to be very fast. So first we have Naomi, and we have her family. They've fled from Israel during a time of famine. Uh, and then her two sons, they marry Moabite women. Um, but then tragedy strikes. First her husband dies, and then her two sons die. Naomi, at this point, she's lost all hope, and she decides to return to Israel. She tries to convince her, both of her daughters-in-law, to stay with their families, which would be much easier. But Ruth refuses. So they both return to Israel. So way back, I think this was like three weeks ago now when we, when we talked about this at first, we talked about how Naomi had lost hope and how sometimes in the chaoticness of our lives, uh, when we have lots of negative things that are just piling on us, we lose hope. Uh, and we talked about how how God is not content to leave us in that hopelessness. We talked about not letting our bitterness overcome us, and we talked about asking God to help us not lose our hope in Jesus. And we also, we also talked a little bit briefly about just the, the book of Ruth as a whole, uh, being kind of this story that shows how, how God is constructing his grand story out of the, these small and seemingly inconsequential stories of, of everyday people and their everyday lives, and how God is, is weaving that story of redemption out of all the little details of, of Ruth's life, of Naomi's life, and as well out of our lives as well, so we can see that. And today, we're going we're gonna to be talking with chapter 2, obviously part 2, chapter 2, that makes sense. Uh, and in this chapter, we're really going to see God working in the little details. Uh, so as we move into chapter 2, we see, those, we see God kind of p- pulling out all these details of their lives and how he kind of works in that. Now, while in chapter, chapter 1 was really filled with, with bitterness, remember, it did end with a little glimpse of hope. It ended as it start, the start of harvest time. So as we get to chapter 2, we enter a new act of the story. We come to a land that is coming into harvest out of a long famine. So this, in this chapter, we're going to look at a few different but kind of related things, uh, and mostly surrounding the providence of God. Uh, we're going to look at how God works in the small details and his perfect timing, about how he protects and, and provides for us. Uh, but first, I'm going to read all of chapter 2 for us. So if you want to grab your own Bibles uh, and, pull, and open that up to Ruth 2, I'm also going to have it in the screen behind me, hopefully soon. Also, I'm going to stop talking with my hands so much. <laughs> realize I do that. <laughs> Bear with me. This is going to be a, about a 23-verse passage. We're going we're gonna to read the whole chunk. It's going to be great. All right. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anybody in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turns out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, 
Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay with the women who work for me, watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever you are, oh, sorry, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you noticed me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, And I, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some leftover. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather from among the sheaths and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about, uh, this is, it's about 30, 30 pounds or 13 um, kilograms, just so we know what that means. Uh, she carried it back to the town, and her mother-in-law said how much she had gathered, or saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about this, about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. This man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grains. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay. Bit of a long passage there. So the bitterness that we, that we saw in chapter one, it begins to be counterbalanced by these rays of God's hope that we see in chapter two. And one of the really cool things about this story that I like um, is that there's no big miracles. There's no grand stories that we see in other, in other stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, uh, like things like the parting of the Red Seas, the victories and the judges. Uh, but instead we see seemingly normal events happening. Um, we see the quietness of God's hand, his grace 
weaving through this story, changing both Ruth and Naomi's fortune. And right away, we see, right at the beginning of this passage, we see that things aren't as bleak as, as Naomi had originally made it out to be when she told both of her daughters that she had no family, there was no one they could marry. Because right at the beginning of this chapter, uh, we're introduced to Boaz, who is a relative of Naomi's husband that she is seemingly forgotten about. And we see, we get just a glimpse of the hope at the end of chapter one, we, we see that just intensifying and building. So first, I want to talk about the providence of God. Uh, and mainly, we see, that, we see that throughout this whole chapter and throughout this whole book. But I'm going to be talking specifically about verses one through seven. So first, what does providence even mean? If we turn to our trusty Google search, the first thing that comes up is protect, protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. We also get God or nature as providing protective or spiritual care. And we also get timely preparation for future eventualities. And others have written that providence is it's a governing power of God that oversees his creation and works uh, and works out his plan throughout his creation. So all of these things basically meaning that God created the world and he didn't just leave it to its own devices. God didn't just wind us up and let us go. I don't, I don't know if any of you have seen, seen this video. Um, it's of this, this kid that got one of those like flying Barbies. <laughs> and I, def, I definitely had one of those as a kid. And it came with kind of a stand that you put the Barbie on and you either like pull the string or you press a button and it just like flew off into the air. Uh, anyways, this video is this kid opening this up on Christmas Day, and she puts it on the stand and presses the button and lets it go and lets it fly off. Um, and it immediately flies into a fireplace and crashes and burns. <laughs> Sad, yet funny. So just think the opposite of that, <laughs> of God's providence. This is not how God works. He doesn't just press a button and let us fly off to whatever destruction awaits for us. God continues to interact and govern his creation. He is intimately involved with what he has created with us. So we, we look at verses 1 to 7, and they, they talk about the details of what's happening in the fields. And that can seem really boring and just some background information, but when we look at what is happening and how and why, we, we look at past scripture, um, just to understand uh, the, the dynamics of what's happening in these verses. And mainly we're going to look, we look at the book of Leviticus, which is a book of laws. And we read in Leviticus 19, verses 9 to 10. This is one of the laws that kind of God has put in this book. And it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your fields or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So already in that, in that passage, we see the providence of God in the fact that both Ruth and Naomi are in Israel, a land that is ruled by God's laws, laws like Leviticus 19, 9 to 10, the laws that make provisions for the poor women like, like they are. And this, this isn't the only law that God has put into place in the past that are now affecting Naomi and Ruth. 
in Exodus 22, verses 22 to 23, God commands his people to protect um, widows and foreigners. He says, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. So we can see how God has already had a hand in, in creation and setting things up like laws that protect future people like Naomi and Ruth. And then during these verses as well, going back to Ruth, they use phrases like, she happened to come upon, talking about Boaz's field. And the writers really want us to see kind of the irony of this. When, because when Ruth first tells Naomi that she's going to glean out in the fields, Ruth, she doesn't offer any guidance. She doesn't tell her where to go. Uh, and yet Ruth just happens to come upon the one field that is owned by Boaz, a family member of Naomi's husband. And I think the point being in these things combined is that things are not random, but they are the providence of God. It is the providence of God that is guiding Ruth and Naomi to restoration, that is guiding them to heal, healing and fullness. And, that, and God is doing all these things through past laws that he's already set up by guiding her to a specific field that is owned by a specific man that would help her. And the, the providence of God, it's also all tied up in the character, God's character of being a loving God. Because from the societal standpoint, Naomi, the widow, and her foreign daughter-in-law, they're not very worthy. They're seen as a burden on society, and yet God cares for them. He shows, he shows that, that he cares when he set up this system to take care of them. When no one else cares, God does. God, he wasn't too great or busy to notice them. And even, even when Naomi back in chapter one had nothing but bitterness towards God, he still cared for her. He still was guiding her to this specific point. So God's providence is his character of love and his sovereignty working in the world to, to guide and care for his creation. And I think for us too, like yes, we're, we're reading this story about specific people, but because this story is, is such everyday kind of lives, we can see it in our own lives, too. We can see how God is, is guiding and providing for us as well because we are part of creation. So both the next, the next two things that I want to talk about in the, next, in the following verses after verse 7, they're in connection with the providence of God. So we're going to talk about the protection and provisions of God. So as we look, and when we look at verses 8 to 13, we see, the, we see God's protection, uh, and we see God understanding how vulnerable Ruth was by leading her to a kind protector, leading her to a man of God, leading her to Boaz. Uh, so Boaz used everything that he was given. He used his position. He used the things that he had, the wealth, the fields that he had. He used all these things in his, his power for Ruth's protection. So we, we, take, we see God's protection taking form through Boaz. And verse 12 is actually really interesting. Um, it's, I'm just going to read it again. So verse 12 says, May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So first, it, it's showing that point that it's not really Boaz rewarding Ruth, but it's God. So Boaz, is, he's just the tool that God is using, and he recognizes that. And the second implication is that the reward Ruth is gaining 
is it's not so much for her love and loyalty to Naomi that we kind of talked about before, um, but it's coming from that she was seeking out God's protection. She was seeking refuge under the wings of God. So back, if we look back to chapter one, not only was Naomi choosing to stay with Naomi, uh, but she was choosing Naomi's God. Um, and she was a, I think she was able to leave the protection of her home and her family, maybe because she sensed that God's protection was far superior than what she had before. And she sensed God's calling to meet that need in Naomi's life. But ultimately, she is putting her trust in God's refuge, and that is, God sees that. Um, he sees that she is coming under his wings for refuge. And that is where, in verse 12, where it says, may you be richly rewarded for, the, for those things. And the last, the last half of this chapter, so verses 14 to 23, uh, it just really shows the provisions of God. Uh, it gives the details of all these things that we've talked about and that lead to God giving these things to Ruth and Naomi. Um, all the things that God has to offer. And it starts to talk more about the idea of Boaz as the family redeemer. Uh, and I don't want to skip over that. <laughs> That's a very important part. But we're going to get into that more next week. So I'm not really going to touch on it. So you'll have to save your questions for that later. I want to leave you with a final kind of note. In our lives, God is always doing a million different things. And we probably don't see the majority of those things. And sometimes it feels like God is maybe absent or not really doing anything. But I think when we look at this story, it's just a good reminder for us that he is ever-present, that he is doing all of these things to guide us. And we might worry that he's abandoned us or doesn't care, but he's always working for our good. Life, it may not always be great, but he is working to prepare a home for us with him. And even in the, midst, uh, in the middle of our struggles and our trials, uh, it's just a good reminder for us that we are not alone, that God is with us. He always has his hand in things. He is leading us home just as he was leading Ruth and Naomi home. So throughout this story, we can, we can, see, we can see how God works in the everyday events of our lives, how he is the God of little details and timing. And we can see how seeking his protection and refuge is the best place for us. But I also want to kind of challenge us by not just looking to see how God is, is protecting us and helping us. But I want, to, I want to, challenge us to challenge us to look to see how God is using us to help others. How does God want to use you like he used Boaz? And are we seeking that out? Are we listening to the voice of the Spirit when it wants us to use, to use us to help others? Are we going to God in prayer, asking for us to show us who we can show kindness to and be his instrument? We've seen, we, because we, we've seen stories throughout Scripture of miracles, and we obviously know that God is so powerful, and he can do all of these crazy things. He can you know, provide food in miraculous ways. We've seen that in Scripture. But in this story, it's more subdued. It's more, it's not lesser, but it's not in your face as some of those miracles. He, he provides food to Naomi and to Ruth through Boaz. So I think that we should be asking ourselves, like, how will God use us 
to meet the needs of his people like he met Ruth and Naomi's needs. So that comes to the end of chapter two. We'll get more. We're going we're gonna to go through both chapter three and four next week. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that idea of family redeemer means. And we're going to continue this kind of theme of God's providence um, and his protection and, and guidance next week when we, when we finish the book of Ruth. But for now, uh, I invite you just to join me as we come before God in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. We thank you for the reminder that you are ever-present, that you did not create us and then walk away. Even when we don't see or understand, you are always working in this world for our good. You are guiding us, providing refuge and strength. We continue not just to ask that you work in our lives and give us that protection, that, that refuge, but that you would use us as instruments in your plan for this world. Lord, show us the opportunities that we have with our time and our resources to be that help to others, like, Roth, like Boaz did for Naomi and Ruth. We thank you for this time together and ask that you continue to walk by our sides. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll pass it back to the worship team. <laughs>